Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the From Ballparks to Buzzbeer Sportscast. I'm Perry Morzios alongside my co-host, James Farley, and we have a great episode planned for you guys today, so let's get to it. James, take it away. Yeah, thanks, Perry. So to start off, we're going to be talking about the NBA Finals, and boy, did the Milwaukee Bucks play incredible down the home stretch of this Seven of this NBA Finals series, the Bucks came back from a 2-0 series deficit to defeat the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals. Finals MVP Giannis Antetokounmpo was by far the best player on the court all series long, and the Bucks won their first championship since 1971. And you could see how much that fan base really wanted it. They had the entire stadium packed, chanting "Let's go Bucks!" all throughout the entire game. You have people crowding the streets whenever they were in Phoenix, their own arena was filled with people still watching the game on the big jumbotron so they were definitely a hopeful fan base and they were able to they definitely Giannis was able to bring that championship home to Milwaukee and they are pumped up so that is awesome so this is the second 2-0 deficit that the Milwaukee Bucks have come back from in this playoffs as they had also come back in the second round against the Brooklyn Nets we all know how that series ended up the toe on the line for Kevin Durant bringing the Nets up just short but at the end of the day, the Milwaukee Bucks are our NBA champions. James, absolutely. And that's another great what if. You know, if Kevin Durant is half a shoe size smaller, is, you know, are the Nets the NBA championship, NBA champions right now? But honestly, the Bucks played a better series, especially in the back half. I mean, they won four straight games. That's ridiculous. They're the third team to do that in the NBA Finals, joining the 2006 Heat and the 1977 Trailblazers. But the Bucks won definitely because of their defense, and especially Drew Holiday. I mean, he was just all over Devin Booker, especially in Game 5 and 6. I mean, if you just look at Devin Booker's stat line in Game 6, he was 0 for 7 from deep and just 8 for 22 from the field. So only 19 points in 46 minutes from Booker, who was by far the best player in Games 1 and 2, even though Giannis was dropping 40 points. Booker was just moving the ball well, and he was shooting the ball extremely well. But once they started putting Holiday a little bit on him more, Booker became kind of invisible. And then obviously the defensive player of the year in Giannis, he basically guarded Chris Paul the entire fourth quarter in Game 6, and he shut down Aiton, whether it was in Game 6 or Games 4 and 5. Giannis was just awesome on the offensive end, as we all know, but he was just as important on the defensive end too. That's definitely the case, Perry, and he made DeAndre Ayton almost a non-factor in this game. He shot 4 of 12 from the field, almost all of which are right there in the paint. So he is contesting those shots over and over and over again, forcing misses and then able to get out in transition, which he's so good getting downhill, being able to finish layups, dunking at home, kicking out to his open teammates such as Chris Milt and Drew Holiday. Even P.J. Tucker, who, while he did not score in Game 6, he was still able to be a pretty reliable guy behind the arc throughout the series and he was what was also huge while we're talking about him just you know going one-on-one against DeAndre Ayton in the fourth quarter against Chris Paul he was also able to just absolutely deny any shot that was in his area he had five blocks in game six which is just unheard of he had another chase down block on McCall Bridges he was all over the court nobody could it seemed like nobody could get a shot off on him but he is definitely a defensive presence. And then when you're able to go on or on the other side and drop 50 points on the offensive end, that's just unheard of. And part of the reason why he had those 50 points is his free throw shooting. His free throws had always been inconsistent throughout his entire career up to this point. 
but he had the best free throw shooting night of his career. He won 17 of 19 from the charity stripe, and that is just huge for that Milwaukee Bucks team, having 17 additional points from the free throw line from your star player. That is definitely something that is huge for that team, and that is a major factor as to why they came out on top in Game 6 and became the eventual NBA champions. James, in seven, 17 out of 19 from the free throw line is great for anybody, not just Giannis. If you told me that Clay Thompson went and shot 17 of 19 from the free throw line, I'd say that was a great game from the charity stripe. But Giannis definitely did phenomenal um, from the free throw line. He exercised some of those demons there. But I want to talk about the turnovers too. You know, the turnovers were a big piece in games three, four, and five. This in game six, they weren't as much of a factor. Devin Booker and Giannis both had six points, but the difference, of course, is that Giannis had 50 points, whereas Booker almost has 19. So you would take Giannis's six turnovers if that means 50 points any day of the week. But Chris Paul did have some turnovers in games three, four, five. Game six, he was a little bit better, only three turnovers. But if those turnovers at the end of the game, especially in games four and five, don't happen. This could be a very, very different outcome. That's definitely the case, Perry. And another additional factor is the clutchness of this Milwaukee Bucks team. And part of that is Chris Middleton. At the beginning of the series, he wasn't that great. In the first two games, Phoenix was up 2-0. Middleton was almost a non-factor. And a lot of people were thinking, man, this Phoenix Suns, you know, Suns in four, Suns in four. They're thinking this could become a reality. But then Chris Middleton showed up big time for this Milwaukee Bucks team. And they were able to rattle off four of their own and end up winning in six. And Chris Middleton, he was extremely clutch all throughout the series on from games three to six, which the Bucks ended up winning. Heading into game six, Chris Middleton led all players in the series with 14 points in clutch time. And just to reiterate what clutch time is, that's when a game is within five points with five minutes or less to go. So it could be 99-94 with three minutes left. So that's considered clutch time. But he had 14 points in clutch time heading into game six. No person on the Phoenix Suns had more than two points. So just to put that into perspective, how much, how drastic of a difference of, that is and how important Chris Milton really is for this Milwaukee Bucks team. And then in game six, you know he had a huge fallaway shot just under a minute to go to stretch the lead back to six or eight I can't quite remember but that was definitely a big shot for that Milwaukee Bucks team and helped to ice the game and win it for the Bucks. James absolutely and that is a big reason why the Bucks are the NBA champions but with the opening ceremony of the Tokyo Olympics expected to take place on Friday um, we just want to run down some U.S. athletes competing in various sports that have a chance to take home medals in their events. So when you talk Summer Olympics, you've got to start with Simone Biles, right? She has won every all-around national, world, and Olympic competition she has entered since 2013. She has never lost an individual event in her career. I mean, when you think about that, that is just crazy. She's a seven-time national champion, 19 world titles, and five Olympic medals, four of which are gold. She's just 24 years old, but however, this could be her last Olympics. But she has four gymnastic skills named after her, and she's looking you at a fifth in Tokyo. Incredible move on the vault that only male gymna gymnastics have completed in the Olympics. So she's an overwhelming fa favorite to win gold in the individual all-around. 
and this would be the 14th gold medal she has won for the individual all round across national championships, world titles, and of course the Olympics. So everybody, of course, loves watching Simone Biles. She's probably the one of the most famous women athletes on the planet right now, and she is just by far the best gymnast in the world, and it's not even close. That's right, Perry. But her counterpart, Sunisa Lee, who's one of her teammates on Team USA, is looking to also play and potentially come home with some medals for Team USA. Lee finished second in the all-around at the USA Gymnastics Olympic Trials behind Biles, of course. And now that place that gave her a position on this U.S. women's gymnastics team in the Olympics at Tokyo. And Lee is predicted to finish second in the individual all-around, which would help her bring home a silver medal. And that would be able to have the Team USA bring home both a gold and silver as she and Biles are projected to go one and two in the individual all-around. And that would definitely be a huge accomplishment for this Team USA gymnastics team. James, absolutely. The gymnastics program is just so good from the U.S. and they are looking to just continue their dominance over the sport. But moving on to track and field, another very popular event, although it has lost some of its luster since Usain Bolt retired. But a phenomenal athlete who will be competing in her fifth and final Olympics is Allison Felix. She's a nine-time Olympic medalist, and if she just medals, bronze, silver, or gold in the Olympics, she would tie Carl Lewis for the most medals by an American track and field athlete. So that is just an unreal stat. This is her first Olympics as a mother, so she is trying to bring home another medal to just show that she is one of the best track and field athletes the U.S. and the world has ever seen. Yeah, Allison Felix is definitely a thrill to watch on the track, and I can't wait to see what she's able to accomplish in Tokyo. And another track and field competitor for Team USA is Noah Lyles. Lyles is making his Olympic debut at just 23 years old and is the reigning world champion in the 200-meter race. He has also recorded the fastest time this season at 19.74 seconds, which is just unheard of, an incredible time. And Lyles is definitely looking to be able to place and have a time as incredible as that in Tokyo. Now we're heading over to swimming and we're going to be starting off with Simone Manuel. Simone Manuel won four medals in Rio in those Olympic Games, two gold and two silvers when she won the 100 meter in Rio and she, that is when she became the first woman who's black to win an individual event in the Olympic swimming races. However, she failed to qualify for that event in Tokyo but did qualify for the 50 meter freestyle even though it is not her top event. So that just shows how impressive of a swimmer Simone Manuel truly is and how she's able to, even if she doesn't qualify in her so-called best event, she's still able to show out and possibly win and take home a medal back to <clears throat> the United States in an event that she is not as comfortable in. But that's definitely exciting and I love seeing Simone Manuel swim in the pool she's very fast she's can she's a thrill to watch and i can't wait to see what she does in tokyo yeah james that would definitely be one of the great stories of um of olympic swimming really if she can come back and win not her top event in the 50 meter freestyle but arguably the best swimmer on the planet right now is katie ledecky she's a five-time medalist who is going for a third straight gold in the 800 meter freestyle she has just absolutely dominated the event in the past two olympics but she's also the defending champion in the 400 and 200 meter freestyles and she is the hands-down favorite to win the 1500 meter freestyle which is a new event in women's swimming and she will look to become the first woman to win the 200 meter and 1500 meter on the same day so men's some men swimmers have taken have 
taken the gold in both the 200 and the 1500 meter, but nobody has done it on the same day. To, so do you think that she has to go and swim 200 meters maybe in the morning and then come back and swim 1500 later in the day? I mean, that is a lot of swimming, but she can do it. She is the best swimmer on the planet, and she is looking to just continue her dominance in these Olympics. That's absolutely right, Perry. Katie Ledecky is a force to be reckoned with, and I am excited to see what she's able to do in this coming Olympics. Now we're heading on over to the soccer field. We're going to be talking about some women's soccer with two stars, Megan Rapino and Carly Lloyd. Those are two athletes you're definitely going to be wanting to keep an eye out for these Olympic Games in Tokyo. We'll start off with Megan Rapino. And Rapino, a superstar midfielder and U.S. Women's National Team captain, will be making her third straight Olympic appearance. As a great player and even better teammate, Rapino is looking to win her second Olympic gold medal, adding to her collection of a 2012 gold medal finish where the U.S. Women's Soccer Team defeated Japan 2-1. At 36 years old, this may be Rapino's last hurrah at the Olympic Games, and she is certainly looking to possibly end things on a good note. So I'm definitely pumped to see what Megan Rapino is able to do and how well she's going to be able to play for this U.S. Women's National Team in the coming Olympics. And now we're going to be talking about our teammate, Perry Carly Lloyd. What do we have about Lloyd? Yeah, so she is 39 years old. She's a Ford, and she's very similar to Rapino in that this might be her last hurrah in the Olympics. But she is a star player who has come up huge various times for Team USA, such as when she had a first half hat trick in the 2015 FIFA World Cup final in the 5 2 victory over Japan as well as scoring both of Team USA's two goals in their 2-1 2012 Olympic final win over Japan once again. But bring these incredible skills and knack to step up in big moments. The veteran is looking to win another Olympic gold medal with Team USA. She, at this point in her career, she is coming off the bench, but Team USA is heavy favorites. And if they really want a chance to keep this streak going, of winning the 2019 World Cup and the 2015 World Cup, they're going to need big contributions from both Rapino and Lloyd. That's definitely the case, Perry. And both Megan Rapino and Carly Lloyd certainly bring a lot to the table, both as soccer players, but as well as leaders and being able to be motivational people and incredible role models for their younger teammates who are making their first or second Olympic appearances. So we definitely want to keep an eye out for Rapino and Lloyd together. Now we're going to be heading on over to the basketball side of things. We'll be starting off with women's basketball with Sue Bird and Diana Taurasi, two of which players are, are incredible on the back end of their careers, but they're great friends, still incredible players who show out in the WNBA night and night again, and now they are looking to bring home another gold medal to the USA. Sue Bird is looking to win her fifth gold medal in five tries, which is an incredible feat if she's able to accomplish it this coming Olympics. U.S. Women's Soccer Team has a whole, excuse me, has as a whole won six straight golds, and now she's looking to make it herself with five. Um, no, excuse me, I said women's soccer team. I meant women's basketball team. My bad. But um, and um, Sue Bird has combined nine Olympic and FIBA medals, which is the most out of any basketball player of all time. So that is an incredible feat, and Sue Bird is definitely looking to be able to bring home a gold for Team USA. Yeah, James, and Diana Taruzzi is kind of in the same boat. She's 
been on the team since Subert has been on the team, so they're both looking for their fifth gold. But the difference between um, Tarouzi is she hasn't played in a WNBA game since July 3rd, so fans are anxious to see if she's healthy. She's a three-time WNBA champion, and she is definitely one of the most accomplished and well-known women's basketball players ever. So the U.S. basketball team, the U.S. women's basketball team, excuse me, has another great chance to come home with a gold just as the U.S. men's basketball team, but they have had some decent struggles that have been pretty well documented here in the expedition games. That's right, Perry. Now we're going to be talking about those struggles for the men's basketball teams who lost two straight exhibition games, and that is just unheard of for Team USA. They have the best players in the entire world on their team, such as Kevin Durant, Damian Lillard, Jason Tatum, Devin Booker, who just came up short with the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals. He'll be heading over to Tokyo, as well as Chris Middleton, Bam Adebayo, Drew Holiday, Zach Levine, among others. So if you have a lineup of that team, you're thinking, this team's going to have no problem in the Olympics. They'll be able to win out, probably have some huge margin of victories, and be able to come out and on top with a gold medal. But they, have lot, they did lose two straight exhibition games to start off their exhibition games. And the team still thinks that they're going to be okay. And they do have the best collection of talent in the entire Olympics. But they just have a ton of iso ball on this team. Not a lot of team chemistry. And a huge amount of egos. They think that they're the best player on the court. Which could pose some issues come Olympic time. But with a lineup as good as that team, it's going to be hard to not bring home gold. Yeah, James, their problem is definitely size. I mean, Adebayo and JaVale McGee are really their two big men. They But the shooting is just basically unmatched. I mean, KD, Dame Lillard, Jason Tatum, Milton, Devin Booker. I mean, that's just unheard of. They can just spot up from anywhere on the court. But the question is, is it going to be too many mouths to feed? It's kind of like the Brooklyn Nets situation where... Are there just too many cooks in the kitchen and will people egos start getting in the way instead of making the right basketball play? Are they going to try and take a shot that they probably shouldn't take when they should just give it up and hit somebody in the corner for a wide open three? But as you said, James, they definitely have the best talent, so they should be coming home with gold, but the international game has gotten a lot better in recent years. But I do expect the talent of the U.S. men's team to win out and as with the U.S. women's team, I expect both teams to take gold in Tokyo. But this past Sunday, golf's final major ended. James, what do you have on this? Yeah, Perry, the British Open came to a close this past Sunday with Colin Morikawa claiming his second major championship by shooting a final round 66 to be defeat Jordan Spieth by two strokes and win the major. Colin Morikawa was definitely in a league of his own throughout the entire major. He shot a 15-under on this difficult course, besting Jordan Spieth, who had a 13-under, and then John Rahm and Louis Oosthuizen at both 11-under for those two tying for a third place. But Morikawa played extremely well, and he needed to come behind on that final Sunday, the fourth and final day of this tournament, and he entered the round behind 2010 British Open winner Louis Oosthuizen by a stroke. So Oosthuizen had been in the position before, hoping to cling on to that one-stroke lead for hopefully 18 holes, but Morikawa had a different ideas in mind and was able to come out victorious. Morikawa's run of three straight birdies from holes 7 to 9 was key in this run, helping him to solidify and gain three strokes back from the leader and be able to pave a little bit of uh, 
like little bit of breathing room. He went up a couple of strokes, even four strokes at one point, I believe it was, to help him end up getting the win. He was certainly one of the best putters in this major tournament, something that isn't exactly one of the, the bright highest points of his golf game. He has a great iron game, which he also showcased. But being able to shoot the ball or um, putt the ball so well on the greens, he was able to read. It was a very hilly course, too. So he was definitely able to read those greens at a high level, helping him to come out on top. And with this victory, Colin Morikawa became the first golfer to win two majors on his first attempt. He won the 2020 PGA Championship on the fir his first attempt. And now here with the Open, he was able to win this one as well. And now Colin Morikawa is two for eight in majors, good for a ridiculous 25% success rate in these major tournaments which is just so impressive especially since he is such a young golf player at just 25 years old so he definitely has bright things to come and he has a very impressive future especially after winning this British Open yeah James Morikawa has definitely been one of the best ball strikers on tour since he came onto the PGA Tour, but hit the putting was always his weakness, but he definitely um, putted really the best out of anybody. But Jordan Spieth, there was a chance for him to win this tournament. Um, the final round, he started off a little slow, had two bogeys through the first six holes, but on but he negated those with an eagle on the par 5 seventh. But Spieth is really kicking himself over the finish at the third round where he was less than 100 yards away after his drive on 17. He ended up bogeying, and then he made another bogey on 18 after he three-putted. But, you know, at the end of the day, Morikawa was definitely the best player in this major and deserved to win. But that will do it for us today. As always, guys, you can check our website from ballparkstobuzzerbeers.com. Our Instagram is there. Our Gmail is there. Our Twitter is there. If you guys want to get in touch with us for any reason, maybe you have a segment idea, or even want to come on an episode, you can get in touch through DMs or email. But as always, guys, thank you for listening. I'm Perry Mortinos alongside my co-host James Farley with the From Ballparks to Buzzerbeers Sportscast. Have a good one, everybody. Oh, 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 oh,